future trends, deep insights, industry leaders. This is the iGaming Next podcast with your host, Carolina Perk. Hello, iGaming Intelligentsia. Before we start today's podcast, here is a message from our sponsors. The iGaming Next podcast is made possible with the support from our sponsors at Pragmatic Solutions, leaders in intelligent platform technology. I've been working with Ashley, Lewis and the guys over at Pragmatic Solutions over the last year. And as the early supporter of this podcast, I cannot recommend them enough. The Pragmatic Solutions Player Account Management Platform is an incredibly powerful technology stack for today's gaming business. Their modern modeler platform provides all the core services to power your business and their SaaS licensing model allows you to reduce cost and accelerate your strategic goals. Enterprise technology with decades of operational know-how at scale built in. Upgrade your business to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Visit www.pragmatic.solutions to arrange a platform demo. Good afternoon. Uh, I'm back with the third podcast this month, uh, but sometimes you just have these these months when um, guests are very relevant to the subjects we keep talking about in our clubhouse sessions and what's what's showing up in the news. So today uh, I'm very happy to manage to secure some of uh, Lindsay's time. Uh, Lindsay Slater is an MD for gaming at the GeoComply. Um, <clears throat> super grateful to have you with us today, Lindsay. Hi. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, so, you know, just to give quick background on, on Lindsay, I, I was doing research for this podcast and initially this was supposed to be very much focusing on the sports and the city. So the big event of uh, sports betting lounge in New York, uh, because GeoComply has great insights into sort of early days of the market. And we've seen some interesting posts on, on um, LinkedIn. However, you know, I think for the benefit of the listeners who are not all familiar with with GeoComply and and, uh, the solution, I wanted to widen the spectrum. Uh, But before I get to that, um, I'll give a little bit of um, a rundown on on Lindsay's uh, bio. So she joined um, the company at its infancy in 2012, serving in various operational roles, most recently as VP of Regulatory Affairs. Um, and over the last decade, Lindsay has provided expert testimony on geolocation technologies and regulatory compliance at several state and federal hearings. And it's frequently a public speaker and industry contributor on these topics. Um, very impressive. And, you know, considering the company has recently been referred to uh, one of um, sort of rare Canadian unicorns, um, uh, being there from the very early days, you you you've chosen the right the right path clearly um can you tell me a little bit more about geocomply what it is what it does and why is the sort of regulation of the u.s market so huge for the company and and uh, triggers such an explosion in in revenues popularity and you know yeah um absolutely i i guess it was just a decade ago that I joined GeoComply, pretty much as the the first employee, uh, at least here in North America. And at the time, uh, the the idea of regulated gaming uh, or sports betting in the US was just that, it was was only an idea, it didn't exist yet. Um, And so still there was a perceived need for um, some sort of technology to be able to verify 
that a user was within the borders of a specific state, because if, if one or more states did manage to set up a, a regulated framework for online casino or poker or eventually sports betting, there were federal laws in place that would likely require it to be fenced to an individual state. So um, GeoComply built out the the uh, the idea for that, the technology that would serve that specific use case. And um, now we, we've become so much more than just a location check. Um, what we've learned along the way and having uh, help with the the launch of New Jersey's online gaming market just over eight years ago, and all the other states that have have fallen into place since then. Um, that uh, there's there's so much information that is available for an operator, for example, to 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 use alongside just confirming where their users are. So um, information about their device. And uh, uh, you know, is is it possible to pinpoint uh, potential fraud? And what else can what, what other kinds of problems can you solve with that type of information? So that's what we've spend, been spending a lot of time focusing on these days, uh, al alongside places like New York launching sports betting. <laughs> yeah, and I think at the beginning it was niche, uh, so it required a big vision and a lot of belief in the market. And, you know, it certainly has paid off. Uh, as you said, it was um, sort of uh, founded 2011, launched with iGaming in New Jersey 2013, but it was 2018 where things started to get um, really visible of how far this could go. Um, and I read in the last two years uh, alone, I mean, coupled with the pandemic and the acceleration of sports betting uh, legislation sort of coming through in the US, the, the revenues increased at 1500%. Um, so how, how has the last two years been for you guys with the different states launching and, you know, the differences in the regulatory requirements and all the infrastructure you need to deploy? Well, I, I feel like uh, the kickoff of the NFL season each September has now started to feel like an Olympic sprint from the, the, the spring beforehand leading up to September to make sure that uh, we're able to support all the businesses that are looking to launch in the U.S. that we work with. Um, and usually the start of the NFL season in the fall is what everyone is racing towards, including state regulators. So, um, yeah, I think you, you, you uh, explained it accurately that since PASPA was struck down in 2018 and sports betting has been uh, much more possible and legally available in the US, it's kept us really busy. Before that, uh, you know, the the rollout of legalized casino and poker in the US was limited to a few states and um, a, a much larger legislative challenge to see policy change occur where technology like ours would, would likely come into play in the US. So sports betting has offered large opportunities for, for growth. Um, and and uh, many new markets to explore. All right, and and for those um, you know still unfamiliar with sort of the intricacies of the technology, and uh, the questions are being asked of you know why is the geolocation technology in a smartphone um, not enough, and uh, why is there a different solution uh, sort of needed around that? And and specifically, what I found interesting is some of your comments around how small. DC is and where accuracy comes to place or the stats that you posted around 
sort of 80% of bets uh, taking place 10 miles from the state border. I think it was for New Jersey and 44% of bets taking place two miles from the state border. So ba based off on that, can you explain what's the real differentiation or the unique selling point of, of your tech? Um, well, I would say that um, the, the, the needs, the compliance needs in the U.S. market are um, really put under a microscope in comparison to um, the, the challenges that I, I think a lot of the gaming industry is familiar with from you know, the, the European or Asian market, for example. Then you are in the U.S. where gaming is regulated state by state instead of a, you know, a country level. There's all of these federal requirements that um, force one to contain their business within the borders of the state. And then many of these states are, are right up against each other with massive populations uh, right along their borders. So, you, you know, places like Washington, D.C., where not only is it 10 by 7 square miles, uh, there's also areas inside the district that don't allow wagering. So you need to, to cut them out like puzzle pieces. Um, the, the level of, uh, I guess, detail and, and accuracy that you need to do that and uh, minimize the, the friction as much as possible on the user experience is definitely something that's been keeping us busy for sure. Um, and I, I guess, at least in this day and age, we're really familiar with using a smartphone to, um, you know, order, order takeout or place an order at Starbucks, use Google Maps. Like it, it's, it's quite natural for us to rely on location data on our phones. Um, but I think that the difference with um, gaming and our phones is that using those simple checks isn't enough for you know, a, a regulator to rest assured that no one can tamper with that data. Um, is it real or are they using a fake GPS app and the types of integrity checks that you have to do to rule all those things out um, is, is what we spend the most of our time on. So uh, being cybersecurity detectives, I guess, is what goes on behind the scenes, the, the details of that kind of a check. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I think that's also interesting because um, with, in line with the current interest, um, there's a lot of talk about your geolocation services, but you guys, first of all, you don't serve just the gaming industry. You know, you've got customers like Amazon Prime and uh, you safeguard sort of video streaming services, which, by the way, I might be interested myself in one day. Um, <laughs> you also do a lot of, um, you know, great work on fraud detection. Uh, so can you, can you uh, elaborate a little bit on those sort of areas of business? Yeah, I, I would say that... Um... Uh, just before PASPA was struck down in the U.S., sports betting had not yet entered the regulated U.S. market, and um, you know, we were serving a, a handful of markets that had online gaming, like New Jersey and Nevada, Delaware, um, and I, I guess we needed a new side project. And so this is how we got involved in, in industries uh, beyond gaming, and, and serving companies yeah, like BBC or Amazon Prime, um, where you, you've got the idea of, of geopiracy and uh, uh, plenty of users that are looking to figure out how to, to stream the latest Premier League you know, football game at the cheapest rate possible. Maybe mm -hmm. it's out of a, uh, a service in a, in a country you didn't even know existed because it's much cheaper than in the UK. Um, so that 
that's uh, started as a side project, but now an entirely different um, vertical that our business is serving. And and as sports betting becomes more prominent in the in the U.S., um, the the gaming and non-gaming sides of our business continue to converge in in different ways. Where you're you're streaming sports, you're betting on sports, and what is the user experience in, in between those two businesses um, is, uh, is 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 always interesting to watch. Uh, it is, and uh, you know some of the some of the stats that you can read about your business. I think one one that struck me was uh, your your software infrastructure is basically deployed to 350 million devices worldwide. Um, I mean that that's a big company. Um, how many employees do you have right now? We have around, I think, 350, 380 um, spread in, in different offices around the world. Some of it doubled. Last year, I heard that was 200 almost added, I think, in, a, in the last year alone, right? So Yeah, we've easily doubled since, uh, since COVID or, or even yeah, just in the last year or so. Um, all of the growth that has been happening with, with sports is what we've been keeping up with. Mm. So let's talk about the the recent events because obviously uh, you always stay very close to the very exciting uh, launches, uh, as we mentioned, starting with the launch of um, sort of iGaming in New Jersey. But now all eyes are on the city, which is why I call this podcast Sports and the City. Um, <laughs> I love the visualization of sort of uh, betting transactions you posted. Uh, uh, posted on LinkedIn. It was very, very powerful. Um, so let's talk about the numbers in there a little bit. And just uh, for those listening, before you get your hopes up uh, for Lindsay giving handle and revenue estimates or telling you who is the biggest, uh, we're not going to cover that. <laughs> Obviously, they've got their client confidentiality and integrity. So we're going to talk about things that they can, um, you know, comment on, um, which is new player numbers, betting behaviors. Tell us what you can tell us. Um, well, I mean, I, I think uh, we we all expected New York to be big, just maybe not quite this big, even in GeoComply's eyes. So um, as we were seeing live traffic over the, f the first weekend, launch weekend, and the second one, uh, it's continued to amaze us. But um, I, I, I think there's a lot of interesting things to pick apart. Most notably for, for GeoComply, it's been the number of of brand new users that we've never seen, uh, you know, trying to be located in New Jersey or Connecticut or Pennsylvania, um, which to me says that these people likely came from the illegal market. And now that they have regulated betting options with consumer protections, with access to responsible gaming tools, all those types of things, they're, they're now in a, a much better place um, to be to be placing those bets. So, I think the the original statistic that we had mentioned was something along the lines of you know 87, 88 percent of of uh, users were were brand new. That that metric still holds true since the launch on January the eighth. I think it may be a little bit lower at around um, 85 percent of all new users, but it, that's now over a, a million people. Like. 1.1 million people and in even more accounts. Um, so wow. it's, it's, it's quite remarkable what happens when people are, are, are given these legal channels to bet. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, what, what I wanted to ask is um, brand loyalty and sort of the impact of geo um, location tools on the customer experience, but also 
um, sort of barriers of easily switching because we discuss a lot in, in our other Clubhouse sessions about the highly competitive acquisition offers between the operators in the state. Um, you know, they're, they're on the high side, we, we'd, we'd see them as from Europe. Uh, but the case is once these players are uh, acquired, are they likely to, to stay um, because it's not that easy to switch the app? Or is it a myth or some sort of misconception from us Europeans to, to think that this geo, geo, geolocation sort of apps are difficult to navigate and, and, and it's impossible to switch between brands? Um, I, I would say for the most part, it, it's a myth. I mean, the, the, the large majority of traffic is coming from mobile devices. Mm. And the user experience with that is you, you, know, you download the app, um, the app is going to prompt you to share your location, much like it would if you downloaded m most other apps these days. And so long as you um, have location services shared and you're following the prompts that uh, an operator may give you, then the the geolocation process should be invisible as you make your, your way from login through to betting. If you were on a desktop computer, you would have needed to download a, a plugin one time. That being said, if you have already been a user from another state like New Jersey, like Connecticut, then you've already gone through that step and and it should therefore be the, the same frictionless experience. Um, that being said, we know that the you know, acquisition costs are high and uh, the, the, the acquisition funnel, the larger that you can make it, um, the better, so that by the time that you get to geolocation and you hope that there really is zero friction, um, the operator is empowered with this you know, maximum player base. Mm. Um, but we, we have been working to try to help the, you know, earlier on in the funnel and now also offer um, a KYC solution to, you know, help people get onboarded earlier in the process before they ever encountered geolocation, um, which is obviously beneficial to our, our core business. Mm. And what about um, the cannibalization effect? Because obviously um, you already had like a tricky challenge with New Jersey where parts of New Jersey sort of are very close to New York. And um, I think someone even mentioned this uh, one bridge that um no one is really sure uh, oh george washington bridge yeah, maybe exactly. yeah um or can you bet on there when you're in new york or not so um uh, have you seen a big uh, sort of impact on uh the the revenues that used to sort of fall under new jersey now be the part of new york uh, revenues I, I would say that we're still trying to figure that out. Um, and maybe we need a little bit more time to understand different users' behavior and how they go, or are they still going back and forth because they're they're commuting to work or school and they maybe haven't changed their pattern at all, but perhaps only the time of day that they bet now um, mm. doesn't need to be focused you know, just in New Jersey, for example. I, I know that we've always loved this, the stories in the news of users that have, cross that George Washington Bridge on their bike and, and explain that at what point in the bridge they they were placing their bets before they turn around to go home. And so I feel as though maybe maybe those people aren't riding their bike to do that anymore because yeah. they they can be on either side of the river. Um, so yeah, I, I guess we're still we're still learning about that. What we do know is that of of users that have, you know, ever um, 
placed any bets in, in New Jersey or surrounding states. We, we, we can see which of those have also been participating in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think in New Jersey, it was maybe uh, something around, or, uh, about 12% of users had at some point been um, dabbling in New Jersey as well, but still remains to be seen on whether they have actually made the transition or they're now playing more often in, in both places or maybe more than two places. Mm. So we're, we're interest, interested to see what the, the data tells us uh, once a little bit more time has passed. So do you see any kind of, because we talked about a little bit before the podcast that you don't really have visibility into the types of bets, whether they are sort of single bets or accumulators, um, but do you have any comments on sort of what drives the, um, the betting, what, what kind of sports, or uh, do you see any specific sort of Pick time, pick time betting around big TV ads being put out there, or or anything really that that gives us a bit more insight. Um, no, so no. Unfortunately, we don't have any uh, insights into the types of bets that are being placed. We we can, of course, see just the, the the surge in traffic that's likely coming from you know numerous new bets right before a game, during a game, at critical areas of. Um, you know, the, 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 the football schedule, that's for sure in the U S. Um, so Saturday and, and Sunday since New York has launched where there's, you know, they've also been really big football weekends. They've been, uh, pretty exciting to see the, the, the surges in traffic. Mm-hmm. Well, this is all very exciting, and I think we're, uh, you probably gained uh, thousands of new followers in the past couple of weeks uh, sort of with, with your posts. So we'll be looking up for those. Um, if you ever find yourself awake at the time where we host our iGaming Next Breakfast, we'd love to have you, or we might even <laughs> for later on in the afternoon. Uh, plenty of people would like to ask questions. Now, you know, moving on from New York a little bit uh, to the despair of some listening for that specifically, uh, I wanted to talk about the organization and the, the type of company that GeoComply is. I, I'm a, you know, a big fan of, of Anna, um, who just stepped back as a CEO. I, po- I read her posts uh, around sort of supporting female entrepreneurs and uh, empowering women and uh, working with sort of children against children exploitation. So she does a lot of good in the world. Uh, but GeoComply as a company and yourself are passionate about corporate responsibility in general. Um, so I wanted to talk slightly about, you know, how you find the company to be. Is it a modern forward thinking uh, organization? Um, and a little bit about your initiatives that, uh, that you have put forward in the, in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, we're we're really lucky that uh, from the beginning, GeoComply was was very female empowered, uh, and and over a decade ago, that, that seems like an eternity ago in the gaming industry, where uh, there were very very few women in the room, and I feel like things have changed so much and made it a, a lot easier for us to welcome even more women into our organization, and uh, definitely a current focus of ours is to. Um, make it not just about more women, but about diversity and inclusion and making sure that every one of our offices is a reflection of, of the uh, communities that they exist in. So um, that's something that we're really committing more time to this year. But in addition to that, yeah, we work with a lot of local organizations in, in all of our offices. So um, you know, this dates back to early GeoComply years and our, our office in Vietnam um, and, and 
visiting orphanages at Christmas time, serving um, local groups in, in place here in Vancouver where I am um, to help empower new immigrants and help them get jobs and enter into tech. Um, and then we have, you know, whole side projects like the organization called Conscious Gaming, which is a, a nonprofit that GeoComply founded that um, has been focused on, um, I guess, a, a number of things that we, we call impact, but all of our, our, our corporate social responsibility endeavors um, that ranges from initiatives in responsible gaming, working with regulators to um, provide technical solutions around that, um, mm -hmm. to like you had mentioned, um, working to prevent child exploitation with um, agencies and law enforcement in, in Canada, in Europe, um, and it, it, it closely aligns with, with even the law enforcement groups that we work with in the US uh, in relation to gaming and investigating fraud. Um, so we're, we're building out a big team of people that, that focus on all these things. Of course, it's that the more that you spread yourself thin, it's really hard to focus on just one particular cause. So um, we, uh, we're definitely keeping ourselves busy while, while sports betting has our, our techies maintaining our system. <laughs> yeah, we talk a lot about in here about sort of uh, responsible gaming measures and whether um, the US market will take some lessons from the European um, market and, and you know how it evolved. And quite often there are comments of, you know, US is quite immature in that aspect, but then at the same time, um, your initiative called, I think it was Play, play, po play Pause. Play Pause, yeah. It's something that we've been talking about that Europe should should have, you know? So uh, is that is that, because I, I read about it, that it's gonna be a, a self-exclusion platform. Are you looking to do this as sort of cross state level for all regulated states to support them all at once or is it per state? Um, um, yeah, I mean, like the, the idea is that uh, the, the US definitely has a long way to go in creating the right um, infrastructure and funding to support safer gambling, responsible gambling, um, the way that self-exclusion lists are um, maintained. Sometimes there isn't even a statewide self-exclusion list. So if I'm a, a, a player with a problem, the steps that I have to take to protect myself could be really confusing and convoluted and, and different in every single state. And so what GeoComply has learned just about how people ride bikes across the George Washington Bridge, if they have a, a problem with gambling and they have self-excluded in a place like New York, all they need to do is hop on their bike and head over to New Jersey, maybe to you know evade the controls that they have set up for themselves. So, um, having learned about those those same travel patterns of, of people, um, we were motivated to create technology that that could help a regulator or an operator even set up more technical um, solutions around tackling responsible gaming. And, and it's honestly been really, really challenging because like every every state and every operator has um, their own priorities and their, their own customizations and law and everything else. So just getting people to collaborate at the same table is difficult, even though everyone wants to. Finding solutions to work together is is a lot more difficult than we anticipated. 
Mm -hmm. But it's admirable and, you know, I wish you the best of luck with that. Maybe at some point we're going to be learning lessons from the U.S. Uh, over here um, <laughs> because, you know, the maybe we don't have that. Uh, it's not as easy as hopping on a bike, but there's definitely, you know, countries, uh, bordering countries in where le legislation differs uh, uh, to a huge extent. Um, so we have some of these problems. Um, last thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, you mentioned uh, briefly um canada and my question is about canada because uh, all eyes on new york right now uh, but there's a lot of uh, eyes also that would like to see um similar movements uh, you know in ontario um and i know you're active in some parts uh, of canada supporting th those areas where you can what do you think you know what do you think the future holds for for the next big thing is that going to be another state regulating where all eyes switch from new york to let's say you know California state uh, or is is Ontario or, or Canada the, the the one people will be watching biting their nails next oh I don't know I would love to uh, envision California hope um, happening in the short term but it, it, it just doesn't sound like a reasonable statement to make so I think we'll probably continue to hold our our breath um, there's lots of uh, competing interests in California that that uh, make make it quite complex from a policy standpoint that's for sure mm -hmm. um ontario is is an interesting one as a, as a canadian it's really exciting to see um some policy change here that is going to facilitate a new kind of market um you know that there's there's lots of um political hurdles and and uh launch timelines that that keep changing uh in in ontario but hopefully that is something that's going to happen uh, as the year presses on and and ultimately will be one of the the largest jurisdictions that you comply with um service really after after new york it would probably be the second biggest so definitely a, a big opportunity for us when when it does come together Great. Listen, uh, Lindsay, I'm going to start wrapping up. We're, we're nearing the magic mark of 30 minutes, which is usually uh, how long people are listening to our podcasts, uh, looking at the data. Uh, last thing I wanted to congratulate you on is uh, being promoted because, you know, I've seen you've been promoted to MD of Gaming while you were on maternity, which I congratulate GeoComply on because I think it's uh, it, it's a very inspiring uh, move to, to sort of reward employees that have been there from the beginning, regardless of their current status, whether you're in or out with a baby. Uh, so congratulations on that and on having your, your recent addition to the family. Um, and thank you so much for your time. This has been hugely interesting. Uh, I'm sure not just for myself, but also for the listeners. Um, and I hope to be talking to you soon and following your updates. Oh, thanks so much, Carolina. Thanks for having me today. It's great chatting. Thank you.